I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks, man. I'm, I've got a little bit of a cold. Yeah, I, I can join you in that. I'm full on. Yeah. We've got colds. Yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. Cold oh. podcast. The cold. The cold cast. <laughs> <laughs> cold takes. Cold takes, yeah. About um, how are you? You had a thing in London last night. I did. It was um, uh, a very good friend of mine, Serdar, has got an amazing education charity called Lifter. So we were doing that. I was speaking there, uh, moderating. It basically does like immersive videos. Nice. Um, so people can experience like different parts of the world through video. It's yeah, it's great for kids basically. So yeah, that was good. Uh, but I've been obviously dashing around that. I think that's the fourth city in like, what? <laughs> wow. If uh, anyone listened to Tuesday's Writers House, Musa is now, Musa's carbon footprint is rivaling that of Ian Poulter's. Oh, God. oh no. <laughs> no, no, oh, it's no. not. You got, you're, you're like, you're a train guy when you can. That's true. We're train, that's, we're train guys when we can. That's true. That's true. But still, that's just a we'll joke. See. But anyway, we'll yeah. Uh, on that, admin, thanks to everyone who got in touch about Tuesday's podcast. Musa, Musa, Ian and I talked about Netflix's full swing. We, we talked golf on Writer's House and it was actually really fun and Loved I enjoyed it. it. Loved it. And um, yeah, thanks to everyone who's got in touch about that. And uh, yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Um, don't forget to check Writer's House on Friday. Flo and I will be joining Ian in the studio. Don't forget to check this week's Counterpressed, Flo and the Gang. But yeah. Before we get going on today's show, we're going to start with some really sad news. Yeah. Uh, literally, just as we were about to st- uh, start recording, we saw that legendary BBC commentator John Motson passed away at the age of 77. Um, an absolute just staple of any British household who has had football on in England in or in the UK for the last, what, 40-odd years? Right. 50 years yeah, even? yeah. yeah. Just a, a legendary commentator. Right. And like also the most distinctive, you know, how like Michael Jordan had the head that was a silhouette and you could recognize Michael Jordan's yeah. head from a silhouette. John Watson's voice was just, you could cut through anything. You could listen yeah. to like a thousand different voices and he could speak two sentences and be like, that's Watson. Yeah. It's, it's really, really incredible. And just the intonation. And there's a great thing about commentators. It's knowing when to speak, when not to, but also how to raise he had this incredible knowledge of when a game was going to really take off. Yeah. And that's incredible. Like knowing when to have crescendo, it's like a conductor, but also predicting, predicting the flow of a game. Like, and he very yeah. often got it, like most, more often than not would get it right. Could tell when Absolutely. a moment was going to break. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the, the, I think the thing that I uh, loved about John Watson, especially when he was getting a little bit older, was a similar thing to Murray Walker when Murray Walker got a little bit older commentating on F1 is that they couldn't hide their disappointment anymore. <laughs> and there was one moment that a, friend, a couple of friends of mine always uh, reference in a Chelsea game. I can't remember who they were playing, but there's a bit where there's like a goal mouth scramble and mm. Motson goes, Balak, Balak, or oh, Anelka. And it's just really kind Love of almost it. like, oh. Love it. <laughs> or his legendary squeaky Van Persie. Van Persie? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Not to mock at all. It was just like, it made 
you know how I feel like some commentators, especially nowadays, they're, they're aware uh, with the power of social media that everything they say can be clipped mm. and they can become, it can become an iconic sentence. I think yeah. what I loved about John Watson was that they didn't really ever feel like there was any of that. It was just very human. Yeah, you felt like he was sitting on the sofa next to you, I think. Or, yeah, Or sure. in the stands next to you. Uh, and I think that was the, that person that sits maybe like a couple of rows down maybe like two seats to the right at every game and you don't really ever speak to them, but you see them every mm. game, you nod before and after. And it's that energy of like, they just get it. Yeah. I think Mots is someone that just got it. And I think you'll see from the tributes that come out, they'll be like universal acclaim, which is very yeah. rare in a game as <laughs> fractious yeah, as football. Exactly. But yeah. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, John Motson, legendary commentator. And, that was um, amazing. Yeah. Sending love out to his family, friends. Another bit of admin, we were going to talk about the government white paper that got released about the uh, yeah. Premier League. We're going to read up on that over the weekend. We'll probably do it Monday. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Um, more more off the field stuff to talk about. Yes. Um, but any other admin? No, that's it for now, I think. That's it. To everything? That's everything. That's everything? Yes. You sure? Yeah. No to plug? <laughs> no, no agendas to push. Uh, I know this is audio format, by the way, but Musa has come very much dressed like a Manchester City squad member. <laughs> I do, actually. Just so you all know. This is the just tightest in case you wonder, yeah. just, just in case you're wondering what side of history Musa will actually be on. <laughs> there you go. There this is the tightest roller I've worn yet as well. Oh, extremely slow. working out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so today we're going to breeze through the Champions League stuff. And we'll, we'll, we'll get out of here. We'll leave you all to it. Yeah. Because we've both got a bounce as well. So we it's, do. A, it's a quick fire Champions League roundup. It is indeed. Let's get into it after this. Let's do it. All right, man. I know that the more newsworthy result is probably the Real Madrid win over Liverpool. But I feel like as it was more recent, should we begin in Leipzig? Yes, let's do it. Leipzig won, Manchester City won. Um, Pep making no changes at all. Um, which always feels very pointed when Pep does that. Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's like leaving mistakes on an album. Go out there and so solve no, it. I, want, I, wanted people to, I wanted people to hear it as it was supposed to be. Go out there and you solve know? it. Exactly. Go and clean up your own mess. <laughs> um, my first takeaway from this was that I thought Bernardo Silva was really, really good and it was just nice to see him in a more advanced right position yep, yep. for a change as yeah, opposed yeah. to a left back. Um, I thought he was really, really good. Just busy being around. The problem with playing for Pep, you become a victim of your own versatility. It's happened yeah. to Gundogan, happened to Fernandinho, and it's happened to Bernardo. You're just so good at plug and play that at a certain point, mm. and actually even De Bruyne to a lesser extent, actually, when, you know, stats, stats do matter to players, but even more, more than that is continuity. Continuity where you mm. can like really get your form up. And we've seen Bernardo be devastating in the Champions League before, and he was really good again last night. Uh, the problem is that RB Leipzig probably won't get sufficient credit for their performance in the second half. And they were really good. They were really, really good. In the second half specifically, they were right. really, they really were. good. They were. They I were. They were. Uh, them, and, them and Real, we'll get to Real in a bit, but they both had strong second halves. Um, and just the intensity they came with, uh, they really earned it. It was... I, I did laugh, I must admit, to see Timo Werner lining up against Pep, given that Pep absolutely hates playing against him. Yeah. It was not quite as devastating uh, last no. night as he has been in previous encounters with Pep. But as a whole, RB Leipzig deserve um, 
a lot of credit for hanging there. When, because, because no, City, the early stages, actually, there was that period after Boris's goal where really it looked like they were going to this cook. This is exactly what I was going to jump in on. Yeah. yeah. Because I feel like this is, this is one of the things that will really, really annoy Pep is the fact that like, they haven't capitalised on that first half. Yes. Was it Rodri who had that header on the back post or was it Diaz? I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure. I can't remember. There was a header that went straight across goal from a, from a set piece. And I was just like, wow, that, that usually... Someone That's is usually there to put that in. Um, I think if City had got that second goal in the first half, then I think Leipzig would have been in trouble for the second, for sure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Which is like football analysis 101, by the way. But, but those, know. actually, hey, but if then they again, got one more goal, it would have been more difficult. But I have a bit of a hot take in that those games, you know, the Real game as well, these games don't lend themselves oh, yeah, to we've incredible got, tactical analysis. There, as, there were other things going on there, but carry on. Yeah. There were so many Okwankerisms in the Liverpool Real Madrid game <laughs> that you could have literally written another book about them, <laughs> honestly. Um, but yeah, Leipzig much better in the second half. Guardiola with the equaliser. And um, putting himself even I've, more firmly in the shop window. I'm glad that he didn't go in the in the window. Yeah, actually, because I feel like if anyone was going to go, if you were going to say the top two candidates to to secure a big big move in January after their World Cups, it would have been you would have had Enzo Fernandez and you would have had Guardiola. Yeah, I'm glad that he stayed because I feel like Marco Rosa is quietly putting together a good team at Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of went a little bit all over the place for a, for a while. That 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 Jesse Marsh bit and then the uh, Domenico Tedesco. Even though I think Tedesco had them playing really, really well at some points as well, it 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 felt very unstable for for an RB operation for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, something that we haven't really seen too much on in a footballing sense, and it feels like it feels like Marco Rose has got them back to quietly a little bit of stability quietly. Yeah, for sure. Because I feel I feel like he also benefited a little bit from expectations being much lower than they have been in recent times. Um, but yeah, I. I mean, I, th- I think City will still go through. I think they'll have way too much for, for RB Leipzig in the second leg. But the fact that RB Leipzig are going to Man City level in the tie is a massive deal for them. Yeah. yeah. And also, they'll benefit from getting really strong competition each week in the Bundesliga because they, mm. they won't turn up soft. Um, and uh, sorry, one second. Just one, one more thing before we move on from this game because I just heard something. I saw the VAR signal. Someone <laughs> from a Man City fan friend of mine must have heard heard us recording this and be like, if they don't talk about that handball at the end of the game, I swear to God. <laughs> I genuinely cannot believe that Manchester City weren't awarded a 93rd minute penalty. Yeah, it's wild. For handball, because it was one of the most blatant handball decisions I think I've seen recently. And there have been a few. And this, is, this explains as well, I think Pep's frustration afterwards, where he's talking about, like, you expect us to win 5-0. Like, this is a really yeah. tough game. We should have capitalised second half. We should have gone away with a win, which we would have earned. Like a 2-1 win for City, no one's saying that's an unfair result, even given no. RB Leipzig's really strong second half. Mm. And decisions that go against you like that, this is the thing, when it comes, <laughs> this is where I have like a slight bit of sympathy for Pep because the oh, big clubs, everything in their favour, actually no. <laughs> no. No, no, actually. No, not <laughs> always. No, not always. Really not. Um, this was one of those, you know, when you sometimes see like, oh, well, you know, the, his hands or the, uh, the player's hands weren't outside of the body kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> so what? <laughs> to see it not given in Germany is a bit of a surprise given how stringent they normally are. Well, German officiate, well, 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 it's not German officiating, but still. Like, but just within, it's just whenever I see a football match played in Germany, I expect everything to be given. Like high foot, do you know what I mean? Like handball, like just, I just expect all of it to be caught. 
So yeah, that was. You're talking surprise. from personal experience because when when I first started <laughs> playing in Germany after I got there and I got I got a foul given against me, and I asked the ref is this, if this was the Bundesliga and he booked me. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, okay. The funny thing about that is like you've had the same disciplinary issues since you were nine or ten years old because that is <laughs> that is exactly something. <laughs> You've been doing that for basically like almost 30 years. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shining example on the football pitch. <laughs> the man whose own father yeah, effectively I know. sent him off. <laughs> I know, he did. I got, I, got, I got subbed by my own father. So yeah, I mean. For, for throwing shade at him when I was 10 years old. Yeah, so let's, let's be real. There's, 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 a, there's, a, there's continuity, isn't there? There's continuity there. Listen, I was just, you know, I just wanted to win. <laughs> Listen, I told you, they lost the game. Tactically naive. That's I told true, that story before. Anyway, um, so Leipzig won, Man City won, and the second leg at the Etihad will be interesting. I feel like if, if Leipzig can frustrate City for the first half, it could, that could get properly interesting, that game. Yeah, definitely. But we'll see. All right, man, let's go to Anfield because oh, I know that they weren't necessarily the best teams that they were ever going to play against. But Liverpool seem to be having a pretty decent week. Yes. Getting back into it. And this result could not have come at the worst time. Liverpool 2, Real Madrid 5. Um, do, you want to, <laughs> do you want to see what I wrote down? Because I wrote a few notes for this. Go for it, go for it. Nunez, wow. Courtois, oh. Vinny, wow. Alisson, oh. <laughs> that was basically my analysis for the whole game. That's fair. No, the whole know, game, yeah, but- actually, I think Real Madrid play matches that are designed to absolutely frustrate and exasperate football nerds. Yes. They I did. also have a theory about this. I feel like Real Madrid, for them, the action is the juice. Yes. They are the ultimate, like they cannot just bore their way to victory. There has to be some kind of provocation for you them know, to really ignite it. Here's a hot take. They're the world's first solar powered football team. Because actually you have to put a serious amount of light and heat into a game for them to like wake up. So they walked around for the first 10 minutes, not really pressing. And no. it was just like watching Liverpool just steamroller. Like in terms of the intensity, Liverpool- It felt like Liverpool were back. Liverpool like fully back. Like in terms of them. like a live, uh, Anfield, European night, all the cliches, but like 2-0 up super early on. Real Madrid looking super wobbly. You're like, wow, this is it. Asleep almost. And then- Yeah. But it was almost like the more intensity- Liverpool put into it. They powered Real Madrid up. They powered them up because you see them after like the first goal. Okay. They're like, mm, okay, now let's start playing. They start advancing a bit, slightly more intense, but not much more in the pressing. And then the second goal goes in. Terrible mistake. Uh, and Gakpo, shout out to Gakpo actually, because this Gakpo's performance is going to get forgotten. But for the first 20 minutes, he was brilliant. He was so good that Camavinga, this is a man that like effectively kept Messi quiet for a large stretch of the World Cup final. The World Cup final, like Messi's signature game. Kamavinga is resorting to like grabbing Gakpo. Grabbing Gakpo by the shoulders and Gakpo holds him off. It was like watching like rugby union. It's like watching a winger hold off like uh, a defender. Like he, ha- he holds, yeah, yeah. Him off, holds him off, plays a great pass. And actually Gakpo is integral to the second goal too because Carvajal plays the rush pass back to uh, Courtois that Salah seizes upon. So at that point... Liverpool are wide awake, Real Madrid are asleep, but then of course, Real Madrid did what they always do. They happened. 
and Vinicius actually will not get maybe enough credit for starting. He'll get credit for scoring the goals, but what he did really, really well is the way that he like draws you out, isolates and humiliates you. So Fabinho, basically the first warning sign was Fabinho trying to pull him back on the halfway line when Vinicius went beyond him, Fernandinho style. And Fernandinho smelled it. And I was like, okay, now he's on. Like the moment he smelled the frustration, the anxiety, it was like, it just, he, he became locked in. They all heated up though, didn't they? they I mean, mm. uh, so Alaba goes off. And then this thing about Madrid just coming back, I feel like, I don't know if it's a tactical thing because Bajcetic was brilliant. And by the end, he was so being good. run ragged by Modric. And it was really interesting because if you saw him in the first half and then at the end of the second, there couldn't be a greater contrast in terms of, I think, self-assurance because mm. his first half, he started beautifully and so much so that he was pushing into like quite advanced areas in quite an exciting way. And at 2-0, like I said, like no one sees Madrid coming back. Maybe not even, well, maybe Ancelotti, but almost nobody else. But there's something about the second half because they go to, they go to like half half. Uh, sorry, they go to halftime at 2-2. And I really think it's as simple as comparing this second half to, you know, the Real Madrid-Juventus Champions League final 2017, when Zidane goes, Zidane's standing there at halftime, he basically says, look, everyone just move a few yards forward and we've got them. He's like, Marcelo, just step yep. up and we've got them. I feel like it was that. I feel like Ancelotti was like, okay, it's 2-2, it's halftime at Anfield. Could be 3-0 to them, but it's not. Uh, let's just go out and win it. Because that's all Madrid did. They, if you, the one thing that changed, I think, from the first half to the second, Ryan, is, is the passing combinations. Mm. Does that make sense? Once Real yeah. started putting together passing combinations, and I don't, I don't think, this is the thing, this Liverpool team, because it's so much in transition, doesn't have a default mode, but Real do, and I think that was the difference. At the moment, they don't. I think this is the. Not yet. The, no, the no. Two, I think. I think that this is this is the main. It's really interesting that you saw these these two play against each other in the Champions League final in what May. Yeah, and you've seen Real Madrid, who have had a pretty consistent and um, solid. What's the word like? Uh, availability of personnel. Yes. And yeah, they've had a couple of wobbles here and there, and you know, but compared to Liverpool they seem a million miles away from each other now compared to yeah. what they were. And yet, it could have been very, very different in the first half. There was a, a famous Okwongerism <laughs> of uh, the moment before a thrashing, oh, which yeah. is really rare though this, because this one came when the side was 2-1 up. Mm. And it was the scramble, when Liverpool had that scramble in the goal mouth. Yeah. Salah hit one, I can't remember who else hit one, but it was, and Real Madrid got away with it. If that goes in at 3-1, Obviously, then the Allison thing doesn't happen just because we've talked about this before. You know how the patterns are played. Just yeah. then it would have had to be very, very random for that to happen again. We could be sat here being like, "Wow, Liverpool really dug out an amazing result from Real Madrid." Yeah, but then you also had two-two uh, Robertson's tackle on Rodrigo at the back post was absolutely unbelievable to stop Real yeah. Madrid going three-two up. Absolutely, um, yeah. At the end of the first half, but then but onto the second half. Onto the, if we're talking about the Militao goal, oh my god. This, I think, is probably the single most worrying moment from the game if I was Jurgen Klopp. Mm. Because Liverpool vastly outnumbered Real Madrid in the box. And I know they're markings only and that's fine. I'm not going to do... I I have zero problems with people markings only. I think it's very, very standard. I don't think you can see more goals from it than if you man mark. Just thought Trent should have gone with Militao. Because the most effective... Well, I mean, I think a lot of people do a, a, a kind of hybrid zonal man marking system where you essentially have key zones covered and then some people tracking runners yeah. Liverpool clearly had the numbers there and I think Trent just needs to go with him 
And this is he he wanders past three or four Liverpool defenders who are completely stationary. Maybe not three or four. That's a massive. But there were three or four on the six yard line, I think. And it's just way too easy for a Champions League knockout. I know the delivery of the corner was great. I know the header was great. But at the same time, we've seen Liverpool be accommodating too much. The Wolves game actually concerned me. That was the one game. Weird enough, the Brighton game, not so much because Brighton playing. No. But the Wolves game, the room that they were given in the heart of the defence, and this reminded me of that. That is a severe problem. And, you you know, you've seen it. The criticism of Joe Gomez, you know, who's obviously had injury trouble and, which is really sad because Gomez was on a real trajectory before his injury. That Mm. was really exciting. But it feels like, you know, he has not really recovered the level of which I, I, I believe he's always been capable. I remember you comparing him to Rafael Varane a long time ago. Yeah, I stand, well, actually, I've got the worst comparison given how my blessings have Lisa decided turned up to as curses. Curse Joe Gomez and then curse the person that he was comparing him to. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know his own power. Yeah, but it's funny because he's a player who is gifted and at the same time, I wonder if these blows to the confidence are too much to come back from because when, when the focus is on you like that. Yeah. And this is a, another reason why I'm happy that Guardiola didn't move mid-season. I think that centre-backs more than almost any other position need a pre-season with their yeah, team. Yeah, for sure. But they also, do you know what also, they need a functioning Ecosystem team in front around. of them. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I think, the interesting thing at the moment because a lot of that Liverpool defence are copping heat from people in the uh, media, I'll yeah. say. Yeah. You know, some people thinking they could get in that side, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But um, I always remember that something Sebastian Scalacci said when he was at Arsenal because he was very, very highly rated before he came to Arsenal. Yeah. He, was, he was a really, really highly re- uh, regarded centre-back. And he said something where it's like, no matter how good you are as uh, a defender, when you have no protection in front of you at all, you're going to look like a bad defender. I'm paraphrasing, but it was kind of something alluding to that line. He was essentially saying that like Arsenal had no protection in front of them in midfield. And what you're seeing here is a defence that was very, very used to being, to having two more lines of protection in front of them. Liverpool, renowned for uh, defending extremely high up the pitch, mm. winning the ball high up, turning the ball over, smothering people in midfield. You, ha- you had to do a lot of fucking work. We- we've talked about this before. This was why it was so hard to beat Liverpool. You had to work so hard just to get into a position that you could create chances. Yeah. And by the time you got there, it was almost a little bit too overwhelming. You know, it was like, you remember Gladiator? Yeah. The, the, the TV show. For those, that I, don't, I don't know. And there must have been equivalents around the world. So hopefully people know. But it was like you did the final, the whole, the full <laughs> obstacle course. <laughs> and then you'd always see people fuck up on the Travelator. Yeah, yeah. Because they were just knackered. Shattered, and that was yeah. kind of what it was like playing Liverpool. In theory, it's the easiest obstacle to do. You just got to run up, run up a moving thing. But after everything that you've done before that, Shattered, yeah. you're exhausted. And I remember uh, watching Arsenal games against Liverpool just thinking, if, if like, we don't have a single chance here because we just, I could not see where the opportunities were coming from. You take all that away and you break down the system, everyone is going to look well, like way more average than they actually are because it's operating at way, way less than the sum of its parts. Whereas before they had amazing parts, they were all functioning to their level and more so. And the, the, the combination of that was just like borderline otherworldly for what they were doing. Like the chemistry was so good. And I feel like none of these, play- I don't think any of these players are washed. I think we saw it with this, I'm, I'm kind of sick of saying it, so forgive me for repeating myself, but like we saw it the year after they won the league. Mm. A few injuries, 
confidence takes a bit of a batter and the chemistry breaks up and you're just, you're kind of scrambling. Like Liverpool are scrambling at the moment and I feel that they just need a full clean pre-season. Yeah. Everyone, get everyone fit and healthy, get everyone on the training ground, maybe one or two key signings just to like, like, hype up the locker room, <laughs> hype up the dressing room a little bit, you know, getting a new personnel in there, mix mm. it up a bit. And then I think they will be fine next season, for example. Yeah. They might not, I don't know, but I don't think this is by any means the end of the road. I feel like it's so difficult to maintain that level. We've seen it like Chelsea yo-yo through like two or three year cycles where they drop out of the Champions League or they'll, they'll struggle a little bit and then they'll come back in it's difficult to maintain totally. a consistently high level. And if you look at to look at what Liverpool have done over the last few years, you know, you look at what Chelsea did under Tuchel, I don't think it's any it's it's any uh, massive failure that they have dropped off for a season. Yeah, that's right. That's I think right. I think Chelsea a little bit more so because you you had you had it I think it was more I think it was easily fixable when they fired Tuchel. Mm. But then it just all got a bit silly. That's you know, right, with Liverpool yeah. it's just a bit like this just, just happens sometimes. It but does anyway. just happen. And also Real Madrid, you know, that's the worst possible team to play when you're unsure of yourself. Because they have, this is the thing, and I, I kept thinking, I kept coming back to this. What is Real Madrid's default? It's basically, they're like the best five-a-side football team that's ever played Champions League football. Because every five-a-side, you know, every power league you've ever played in five-a-side on Wednesday night, whenever it is, the midweek nights, there's always that one team you're playing quite well against and they're 4-0 up. Yeah, you don't know why. They don't know why. They just, yeah. they have, you know, it's just like, you know, it's nil, even hold them at nil. Oh yeah, we're doing really well. This guy. And you prep a game for them. We're going to, and then bang, bang, bottom corner, two nil. Done. Do you know, do you know why it is? They're all wearing copper Monday hours. <laughs> you know what? Spot them a mile jump. off. That's Spot it. Spot them a mile off. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, they might be, you know, they might, they might, they might be like us, you know, a little bit, a little bit, you know, not, not in the best shape. Maybe their best days are behind them, but they've got their socks rolled down and they've got pristine looking Copper Mundials on and you know you're in trouble. They absolutely just drill you. Yeah, and they're, just, it's, they're playing from, this was like a muscle memory victory for Real Madrid because even when they went 4-2 up, even at that point, it's funny, if you look at the gap between the 2-2 and the 4-2, Real don't do this like overwhelming thing where it's like, oh my goodness, pressure. Right. No, they just actually move the ball around and take their chances. Yeah. It's, really, it's really that simple and, and, and it's easy to overanalyze this, but there's, a, there's an amazing moment actually it's uh, they were three two up and they're down in the left hand corner and they're just like working little triangles and I was like ah you weren't doing that in the first half no and then you see how they kept the ball between like four two and five two just the keep ball all over the pitch spreading the play and Ian said it best Ian said every pass Camavinga plays is beautiful and you know show me a man that grew up watching Sedan highlights uh, as Sidlo pointed right. out yeah as Sidlo pointed out in his interview like the way that Madrid almost it's like okay we're three two up we're going to play keep ball and the chances will come. And that's it. Mm. It's just, sometimes it's not this wild tactical, we shifted this, we shifted that. It's just, this is, you know, Liverpool are struggling. We know they're struggling. We know they're prone to mistakes because there's not as much midfield cover. Um, and if we do this, if we just play keep ball for the next half an hour, we're going to get chances. And they did. Simple as that. A lot of people talking about Real Madrid not knowing when they're dead, which sounds, sounds like they've, uh... Listen to me, Sarkwanga. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it was one of those. It turned into when when the deflection for the fourth went in. I, I started getting a little bit of like PTSD from watching Arsenal Champions League nights. I was like, I recognise this feeling. Yeah, you know. Yeah, 
where it's just like, fuck, this is bad. This is, then there's nothing you can do about it. And then obviously Modric running through the midfield, holding people off and then like laying off Benzema for the fifth. And this actually, I thought was the tell. Modric's celebration, he, he's jumping around like a kid. Like he cannot believe that they've got five at Anfield because yeah, yeah. few teams do. It's, it hasn't happened for, for, for ages. But yeah, like you could tell that basically he knew like, holy shit, this is, this is big. And even we didn't expect this, but I want to big up some other stuff because we did, we kind of glossed over the opening four goals. We don't need to talk about the errors so much. I just yeah, think they yeah. happened with Courtois and Alisson. Um, Nunez's finish for that early in the game is unbelievable. And he is such a confusing player. I feel like I, I'm actually really, really enjoying seeing people trying to figure him out. He's kind of a bit of a unicorn. I felt really sad for him actually in this game because I was really hoping for his personal narrative, I was really hoping this this goal, because it, this goal and Liverpool victory would have made it so much easier to stop all that conversation, all that noise about, oh, he can't score in important games, he can't do this, he can't do that. To see him be decisive in a game of this nature would have been amazing for his confidence. Hopefully he'll still take a lot of confidence from it. But I really just wanted him to have a big time performance and it felt like he was on the way to that in the early stages of this game. But a gorgeous mm. finish, yeah, yeah. And so confident, yeah, uh, so confident. I mean, to do that in the early stages of when, I mean... Against Courtois, I against Courtois. <laughs> Courtois was just like, oh no. There's a lot of disrespect. <laughs> he knew, he knew as, as, soon as, as soon as it left his boots, he was like, Oh no, I'm oh done. no. But the Vinicius goal, I want to get Ian to talk about this a little bit because this feels like, and can I just, I, I said I wouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> I was watching, I was recapping on the highlights this morning just to catch up again before we recorded. Did you know what my dad said? What's that? Reminds me of me. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of it. And he went, no backlift. Reminds me of me. I was like, what do you think you are? Dennis Burkamp. <laughs> well, actually, if you consider who's older. <laughs> exactly. The proto, proto Burkamp. <laughs> this guy. I mean, and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to say it on the podcast. He was like, no, 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 no. I was only joking. I was only joking. No, no. I was like, you fucking said it now. Too late. Listen. <laughs> We've got the receipts. Exactly. Bless him. Uh, but no, I mean, like this finish was so, so good. Like, a side-footed drilled finish into the bottom corner. It was Unreal. so like, and you know what? I'm really, really happy for Vinicius because Vinicius has had, let's be brutally frank, a fucking disgustingly horrid season yeah. in terms of what he has had to deal with from opposition fans, predominantly in La Liga. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is the kind of player we expected him to be before he had that massive injury after his breakout season at Real. Yeah. Absolutely. Like he's just, he just seems so confident. He's, he's a game changer now for Real. Whereas before, I mean, do you, do you remember, like, let's remember the arc that they've gone through. Benzema, Benzema saying, thing. he's not helping us, brother. He's not, he's not don't helping him. us. Don't give him the ball. He's like, not helping us. Oh my goodness. It's wild, man. Like it's wild how far that's come in. To, let's like, not a huge amount of time. Like for this, and also Liverpool, he's horrible to Liverpool. Like that man oh, is, no. yeah, yeah. They, he always has something special stored up for them. But then the special thing about- This is, this is we, did we do a Nemesis episode? We did, didn't we? I, think. I don't know if we, did we do it? I think we did, I think we did. I think we did, we, I think we did one in lockdown. We should revisit that. We should do a Nemesis part two. We have to, because Nemesis after, returns. There's certain players turn up to play, you're like, oh my God. You just know they have a thing for you. Yeah. Who's your Nemesis? It's you, Ryan. <laughs> you're the one person I haven't outfoxed. <laughs> Musa, <laughs> I think you and I are destined to do this forever. 
<laughs> you complete me, Mosa. Sadly. Well, that got weird. <laughs> oh, it's, 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 the, it's the truth, though, isn't it? Um, but yeah, like Vinicius was absolutely amazing in this game and. So good. Just in terms I know of- we skipped. I just wanted to revisit it because I feel like those first yeah, two no, goals, right. those uh, sorry, not the first, well, the first Liverpool goal and the first Real Madrid goal were just so, so good. Because so Benzema good. ended the game, it's it's possible mm. that he might get more of the plaudits, but Vinicius really set the tone in this game. And, you know, has well, been- Vinicius is our artwork, so. I love to see that. Has been criticised before for playing a bit too much hero ball, which, you know, mm. it's, that's a fair criticism. I will say one thing about Madrid though. In an attack like Real Madrid's, it's like being a Chelsea number nine. You have to take the initiative mm. because it's one of the more um, formless attacks in world football in the sense that I'm not saying there's no tactics. Of course there are, but it's more like you're gifted to get into the final third, make something happen. Mm. So you're kind of, you kind of have to improvise a lot. Um, and he's taken to that really well. Yeah. Liverpool got it all to do in the second leg. I don't think it's over. It's not. It's not. Thank God for the absence of away goals. Thank God for that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a feeling that this could be Maybe Real Madrid might get a taste of their own medicine. Who knows? Liverpool have to fly out early, that's all. And they just, have to. And also they just have to. give Gakpo the keys. Because he absolutely, Salah will get headlines for scoring as Nunez, Darwin as well. But I thought what Gakpo brought in terms of the intensity and raising the level mm. and the fearlessness generally was something else. So yeah. The good, the good thing is it would be really good to see Liverpool playing with, without pressure because they've essentially got a free hit over there. Yeah, it'll yeah. be. Can you remember the last time Liverpool played without much pressure? It's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Let's take a quick break and then we'll do the other two games. Let's do it. All right, man, let's go to Frankfurt because um, the Eintracht Ultras apparently weren't, uh, just. they couldn't do their original choreo because of some, I don't know, some bureaucracy to do with confetti from the fire department and the police or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. So what they decided to do instead was just... uh, Self a load of pyro. <laughs> Which we knew was coming. Which was just, what, I mean, why not? Um, Eintracht nil, Napoli 2. Uh, I described <laughs> what I thought was the first goal, the first Osman goal. Well, the only Osman goal, actually. Mm. But um, this was like a vicious goal. What, just what because mean? the way they raised the level? Just that kind of oh, Osman's at the back post. We can't do anything about this. He hasn't even hit it cleanly, but it's in the back of the net. And it felt like that, you know, when a player runs into the net because they're moving so quick and it's just like, there's something a little bit like, sit down. Do you know, that's actually, that's a great, that's a great way to put it because actually Eintracht started, they remind me of like Pochettino's Spurs, you know? So when Mm -hmm. you play against a team like Man City, uh, you know, when Pep, you know, when Pep first worked out at City and he was moving mm-hmm. the ball at light speed, the only thing that beat that was another dose of Pep's medicine. So you had to basically take Pep's yeah. formula and just speed it up. Eintracht yeah. played with a, I can't believe I'm saying this, Napoli, well known for starting games in incredible speed. Mm. Eintracht started even faster. And so for Napoli to take the lead like that, as they did with that, with a goal like that, was almost like reasserting themselves. Mm. Because Eintracht had a really, and I'll get forgotten because of the scoreline, but they were brilliant that first yeah, they were really 15, good. maybe 15, 20, the way they were moving the ball. And you could tell because some of the crossfield passes they were playing Napoli, they weren't connecting. And I, I was like, mm. oh, they don't mess those up in Serie A. They don't mess those up in the group stages. Lobotka sliced one high and wide. Um, there was one brought the right as well, went to touch. I was like, ah, oh, Napoli are really 
not in their rhythm. No. Because no one does that to them. No one really rushes them at the start of games because no one's got the audacity. And if anyone's got the tactical nous in Europe in a knockout, it's Glasner, actually. Mm. Um, so I just want to sort of mention that because I thought they were brilliant Eintracht in the so opening good. stages. But once and Napoli then, found yeah. themselves... Because they, they hit that goal and then they hit the second one straight afterwards exactly. but got disallowed for offside. Yeah. And if Ossiman holds his run, that could get ugly, I think. Because if you swing the momentum so, so yes. massively, yes. you saw it in the, in the Liverpool game. When Real Madrid swung the momentum their way in an opposition ground in the Champions League, you kind of, it's a really weird psychology that's not, it doesn't happen a lot. You well, know, the problem is like because a, you're so psyched up and you're playing at that speed and Napoli score, mm. and then you're not used to playing for containment because you're playing at high speed still. And it's yeah. very difficult to adjust your tempo, your expansiveness to, to contract. Very, very hard. Yeah. Um, so um, Napoli, yeah, Napoli were I mean, outstanding. Kramer missed the penalty. Which is, uh, well, we didn't miss it. Kevin Trapp saved it. It was a good save from Kevin Trapp. Hey, Trapp actually. had an incredible game. He really, without him, it could have, it could have been quite bad, actually. But it was, uh, I thought Kravac Skellia had a really interesting game because I don't think this was anywhere near his best game for, for Napoli. Um, I would say probably by the very high standards that he's set this season, probably quite disappointing. And yet. But then he, put, then he comes up with the Gooty backheel assist for the, for the decisive goal. The Gooty backheel, but also the control... I mean, it's just a back heel. I don't Ang- know why we have to throw but, it. But, 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 but it's the thing that, so Anguisa plays this so that for, the, for the Napoli's decisive second goal by Di Lorenzo, it's a gorgeous goal, by the way. And I think Seb Safferblor mm. called it best. He said, that is Champions League at its very best. Ball control, patience, unpicking. And then Anguisa plays this gorgeous pass, sort of mm. angled pass into Kravitzkaya, who draws three men in the box. And the first touch he takes, I had to replay this like three times after rewatching the game, just to work out exactly what happened. It's like Baggio. Mm. It's like Roberto Baggio. That's the only, that's the highest praise I can give him. The way he takes the ball, and then draws three men, and then just... So good. Lays it back for De Laurentiis, and that finish, it's like, good night. Good night, Eintracht. So good, man. Yeah. So good. Um, I think this will be difficult for Eintracht in the second leg. I think so They'll have as well. to score extremely early, but I just feel that Napoli at home, I just, I mean, we've seen it all season. They're just a, they're dangerous, man. They're very dangerous. And they'll be wise as well to how Eintracht come at them now. That's the thing. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, good win for Napoli, that actually. Really like, good win. Yeah. Like, Excellent. like we said, maybe not at their best either. Uh, let's go to Milan for the final game. Uh, Inter beating Porto 1-0. Tough one to call this. Uh, interesting to see um, Seferin in the crowd. That bad needs to watch what's happened to his, uh, his beloved UEFA because... Um, he does, man. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah. Um, the vultures thought, are circling. I thought Porto could have been a couple ahead before, like, but even by half time, maybe not half time. No, I agree, I definitely, agree. Definitely in the second half. Like, Taremi felt like he had a couple. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Um, and it really felt like if anyone was going to win this game or if anyone was going to score, it was going to be Porto because the chances that... It, I, it's hard to remember into having many clear cut chances. There was that amazing, my, Lautaro had a couple, um, but not anything super clear cut. Yeah, the momentum all felt like Porto's. That's the thing. It did. Yeah, Barella, yeah. Like, it felt like, for example, do you remember that Barella chance where the ball came over the shoulder and hit that volley goes goes wide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of felt like a chance much like the uh, Eintracht-Napoli game, which we didn't even mention, the Colo Moani red, who misses the next game. It's really, really bad for, oh. for Eintracht. Can I say, and it, was, it was a bad tackle. It, it was, it was. And I really felt, because he's been in such great form, 
Yeah, um, this, this was a classic striker loses the ball on the edge of the opposition box and tries yeah. to win it back with a really bad tackle. And he started but, the game um, really well as well. Real shame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the bad thing for Porto in this game is that Otavio misses the game, misses the second leg. Um, for a, such a silly foul that second yeah, yellow yeah and again it was, yeah, it, was, it, like was a, it was a straight yeah it was an easy easy. it easy, was definitely yeah. a second yellow um, but Romelu Lukaku coming off the bench to win it for Inter uh, a great header actually the initial header that comes off the post is a really 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 good header yeah great uh, contact actually, I mean, if, yeah yes I can, can and he does I think he does really well to react first to that and, and get the ball away for get the ball home for the second for the Re- well, how often do we see people snatch at that, especially a striker who's not in the best form mm. and who hasn't had the best, the best year, really? Mm. And I remember seeing him score that and just thinking, yeah, it's a, it's a long way back for Lukaku. And I'm not sure, mm. you know, he doesn't return to the level he was at. I think Lukaku, just at the end of the Euros, mm. is his absolute peak. And I'm not sure because of what happened against Croatia and his finish against Croatia, that's going to haunt him for a while. But it was so good to see him being decisive late on. Mm. And taking responsibility later on in a game that Inter really had no real right to win. I think that's a, I think that's a massively, massively good result for them. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Because I, I feel like they they could have very easily just been going to to Porto goalless or even a goal down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of like the fact that they staggered these. I like it when they stagger the second round in the, in the Champions League because it just feels like it's Champions League football for a month. Yeah, no, I I gotta say I do like it because it's like the drama. Yeah, and, and also, it allows you to kind of like it, it just just you know talking about four games on Stadio is mm. like peak. It's the dream, it's like it's the sweet spot. It's the sweet spot, and four really intriguing games as well in their own way. Actually, this was yeah. a really good round of fixtures. I've got to say this this particular match. Yeah, game. I think it was it was better it was better than last week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, just some shout-outs very quickly. Arnold Clark Cup, England retained the Arnold Clark Cup, the one that everyone wants to win. Did you see the studs t-shirts that they did this year? I didn't. No, 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 no. Uh, good girls go to heaven. Bad girls go to the Arnold Clark Cup. <laughs> <Fucking> unbelievable. <laughs> the chaos in that crew. Actually, can I say, I Chloe Kelly is loving a tap in these days. It's like, <laughs> you know, Incredible. it's funny. If you, if you started watching Chloe, Keller, Chloe Kelly from the summer, you'd be thinking, oh, that's all she does. But I'm like, you score bangers. What are you doing? But actually, can I say this? Thanks to, um, it's just lovely to see a winger who is that aggressive in a six-yard box. Mm. It's really, really great. This is the thing I've always said that the most impressive about her is it's just her coverage of space. Mm. She does, she'll drag the ball wide and she'll, you know, you saw for, I think, the fourth or fifth goal. Um, she draws back and wide and plays this ball into space, like almost a key pass into space that leads to the, um, I think, the fifth goal. And that's, that's the skill she has. She's really an all-purpose, all-action winger, um, either flank, six-yard box, does it all. And I'm really glad to see her getting her shine, to be honest. Uh, shout out Elena Dontler, who scored the goal of the game. The banger. Belgium's <laughs> only goal. And it was just <laughs> so good. Like, Mary Rose was kind of like, what the fuck do you expect me to do about that? I mean, yeah. old heads will remember this. When Mark Hughes scored, there was a volley when uh, you know, and, um, Man City beat United 5-1. I think it was at Main Road. And uh, Mark Hughes scores this incredible volley. And it's like the only goal. It's the consolation. It's like, everyone going, oh man, like, why couldn't we have scored that? <laughs> um, so yeah, 6-1 for England. Uh, retaining the Arnold Clark Cup. Australia won the Cup of Nations after a 3-0 win over Jamaica and the USA beat Canada 3-0 to win the She Believes Cup. Um, but shout outs to Canada. They're going through. We talked about yeah. that, them on the show and um, they continue to go through that and I play for them for speaking out against that during yeah, this absolutely. tournament. Yeah. Um, I think we might have to leave it there for today. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Are you excited about the League Cup final on the weekend? 
thrilled. Might be, might be playing Lorius Carius. <laughs> Berlin legend. Just with, with Rashford just locked in like he is. All right, everyone. Everyone stay safe, stay well. Don't forget to check Wright's house on Friday. Flo, myself, and Ian. Um, don't forget to check theringer.com and the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. All the music we play on each episode. Newest one is at the top. And we're playing out on Bailey's Nervous Cats. <laughs> Tune called Rumble. Love it. Anything you want to add, Musa Gonga? Nothing further. Oh, we both need to blow our noses. Yeah, I definitely do. Oh my God. <laughs> sorry, everyone. And on that note, <laughs> sorry for the sniffles, everyone. So sorry, so sorry. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. And we'll be back with you on Monday. See you then.